Hello everyone and welcome back to the grand final of Chicks Into the Fits for the year 2020. This past 12 months together have been difficult for everybody, we're sure about this, but we also had some fun. Yeah, with the motorsport calendar being pushed further into the year during the pandemic, of course we've had December that still offers some talking points in Formula One and in other categories as well. However, we couldn't possibly forget about our promise. Yeah, so this episode will also feature an astrology special, courtesy of me, <laughs> your, your expert. Uh, so let's get straight into the discussion. Yeah, Marti, I mean, honestly, there are so many things to talk about. That December triple header uh, that ended the Formula One season was absolutely insane. So many things happened. Yeah, it was actually crazy because... Uh, you know, the season being pushed uh, so far into December was already kind of strange. Um, but yeah, these uh, few races just delivered so much to talk about, to be honest. So I wouldn't even know where to start. Maybe with uh, the victory of Sergio Perez? Yeah, I mean, that Grand Prix was absolutely insane. Also because, I mean, it, it featured at the same time, the fir- for the very first time, Lewis Hamilton missing a race. Like, I, I don't know, I, I think he never missed a race before this day, Marty. Do you remember yeah. any instances? So, yeah, basically, of course, you'll remember that on December 1st, it was announced that Lewis um, had tested positive for COVID. And so he was going to miss the Grand Prix. And we've also had George Russell's debut. And yeah, I mean, that that weekend was absolutely insane. But, you know, as heartbroken as I was for, for George, to be honest, I was also so happy for Sergio. Like, if there was one person that I w- seriously wanted to win that Grand Prix and it, it wasn't George, it would be, you know, Sergio. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah, yeah, me too. Also because he made a massive recovery from the bottom. So it was very, very fun to watch too. Um, so I was very happy for him, obviously. Uh, but, you know, I was kind of worried at that moment um about the the constructor championship because um i'm a big mclaren fan and i really Uh, wanted mclaren to to get p3 uh, which in the end it obviously happened but we we didn't know at the time Uh, so i was kind of worried about that when i saw the win i was obviously also happy for sergio um and another thing that kind of uh made my day a little bit bluer was um george obviously george russell um not only missing the win, but like missing everything he could have possibly had with yeah, that race. Yeah, not even a podium. Like he only, he only managed to get, you know, his first points and that was it. Yeah, it was really like tragic <laughs> to watch. It was painful to watch. And, you know, he didn't even do anything wrong. It just didn't go, didn't go well. Yeah, absolutely. Also, like if you think about it, like we've come a long way, Marty, because if I remember correctly, like... Back in 2018, I think, 2017 and 2018, neither of us actually liked Russell that much. Yeah. Like, I remember when he came out of Formula 2, I was like, of course he's talented, but I don't like him. You know, I don't have any... Yeah, I wasn't feeling anything for Russell. You know, I wasn't actually, you know, you know supporting him in any way. 
I think that his work in Williams actually, you know, proved me wrong in a, in a lot of ways. I didn't like, I didn't imagine that he had any sort of team spirit. Like personally, that was one of the reasons that didn't make him likable to my eyes. But you know what he did with Williams and for Williams was absolutely amazing. And the fact that he showed so much resilience through a time that was clearly not going to be particularly successful or particularly happy for him uh, really, you know, proved his kind of spirit in Formula One. And I think we need people like George in Formula One. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I didn't like him either uh, back in Formula Two, I'd say, um, those years, because I was basically rooting for Lando Norris, and at the time it was uh, a fight between them for the championship. So, um, <laughs> and obviously the driver I was rooting for didn't win the championship. <laughs> but yes, it's so obvious. Yeah, it's so classic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I. I learned to appreciate him and um, yeah, he's really obviously a talented driver, but I also think he is a really good person and yeah, I just really like him now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we can only be happy about him. And again, the way he proved also his race racecraft with Mercedes that weekend was absolutely astonishing. Like from you know, from one hand we've seen so many people saying stuff like oh my god the fact that George Russell managed to have that kind of a drive in a car he didn't know that well which by the way is a lie like the W11 uh, just shows how much of mm, the W11 is actually uh, you know responsible for Lewis Hamilton's titles and Mercedes in general which to be honest like I consider a silly argument because you you know, I would consider this to actually prove quite the opposite. Like, the first thing that I thought was, oh my God, George Russell is such a good driver that he can take a, a car that, of course, like he knows, but it's not his usual car and can drive it in such a way that he out, not, I don't think he out-qualified him, but anyway, he didn't out-qualify, but he certainly out-raced Valtteri Bottas, which is every single weekend into that car. So I think it really is an argument in favor of George Russell more than an argument against Lewis Hamilton. But that's just me, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Also because, you know, yes, Bottas did out-qualify him, but by such a sheer number, like, it was really nothing. Uh, yeah, it was something the gap like between the two. six milliseconds. Yeah. It, it was a matter of milliseconds. Yeah, it was nothing. And... He definitely outraced him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, th there's no point in going uh, against Hamilton or Russell. Just enjoy the show. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, honestly, like this isn't as complicated as, as it was and as, you know, controversial as well as it can be considered. It was actually an amazing season. The only thing that, you know, makes me sad about it is that the majority of, you know, big um turning points of the season were actually determined by you know exterior events like for example people get getting covid unfortunately yeah and uh, i don't know stuff uh, in race direction not being done properly safety cars awful accidents of course uh which is which is quite of a bummer like of course we can appreciate and we can understand that it's part of the entertainment of the sport 
Maybe it's also about merit that a season is not made memorable because of the on-track action, but more about anything else that happened that caused that sort of on-track action. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also, I think that this season wouldn't be remembered because of the accident of Grosjean too. Uh, we we didn't we did, we I don't think we'll talk a lot about it because there's also you know there's already been so much talking about it um, yeah. in the past weeks. But uh, it, it was it was a real scare. Yeah, absolutely. Like to be honest, I was. You, you know, I couldn't even find the words to describe what happened. Like, at, at that time, I have to say, like, I saw it for, and you know, for 10 seconds, I was like, the man's dead. Like, I was like, Formula One is going to have a funeral this weekend or the next weekend. I was so sure about it. And, you know, it had been a long time, of course, you know, if we don't consider Antoine, but it had been a long time. Uh, since we've seen that kind of an accident in Formula One. Um, but yeah, once again, it proved a testament to, you know, the incredible safety uh, improvements that have been made in in the time. Like, honestly, the Grosjean accident was a combination of basically every single big and possibly fatal accident that, Formula One is famous about like there was yeah. something about the the Bianchi accident in it and there was something about the Senna accident and there was something about the Lauda accident like the three probably yeah. three biggest shunts in Formula One and two of them were actually fatal so um, yeah the fact that Roman walked out of it basically unscathed because come on let's be let's be real like a, a few burns on the hand are nothing compared to what have happened I think it really proved like the the step forwards that the FIA has taken. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're obviously extremely happy that uh, he managed to get out of it with some minor scratches. So yeah, thanks to <laughs> Formula One for improving safety. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, let's also like, I mean, it's the end of the season. We should probably talk a bit more also about, you know, what's going to happen next season. We've, we've, or the, the driver lineups are almost ready and we've seen so many changes, Marty. Yeah, it's a bit crazy also because lots of the announcements have been made in the past few days or weeks. And, you know, I see that lots of people obviously uh, are kind of happy about uh, Mick Schumacher entering Formula One. Um, so yeah, I kind of agree with them. Uh, I mean, obviously he won the championship, so uh, it's kind of the uh, the most obvious next step he could have taken. Um, and we'll, we, we have a completely new lineup for us. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, are we really going there? Yes, of course we're going there. <laughs> because you know us and you know we're going there. But anyway, no, of course, you know, taking a step back before diving into the obvious topic of discussion of this segment. Um, honestly, having a, an all new lineup, I think it's going to be incredibly difficult for us. Like yeah. they, they are a team that doesn't have a, a consolidate, you know, um, I don't know, testing scenario, development scenario. I think they have Louis de Letra and um, Pietro Fittipaldi, of course, 
which are actually, you know, very good drivers and have been with the team, I think, for the past two or three years. So they, they have a knowledge of the car and they have a knowledge of the people. But of course, they are very young as well. And they basically have no Formula One experience. I mean, of course, Fittipaldi now has some. Uh, but, you know, it's very limited. So having a team in which you don't have a single driver in your roster, either titular or, you know, uh, testing or development that has Formula One experience, relevant Formula One experience, it's kind of a strange way to, to, to go about it. But, I mean, they're also getting Simone Resta from Ferrari uh, for next year uh, to develop the, the chassis. So I think we could see something interesting from Haas. But, yeah, it would probably hinder their performance. And, you know, on Nikita Mazepin, Marty, you, you probably want to say something about it. Do I really? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yes, we're going there because we cannot not go there. Also, considering the the recent developments of the whole ordeal. I don't know if if you've kept up, uh, Marty, just yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay, um, so first of all, like talking a bit more strictly about racing, I don't like him as a driver, so <laughs> it's just, you know, my dislike for him comes from actual things he's done in the sport uh, in order for me not to like him, and then it just became a personal thing, obviously. Um, but yeah, like, as a driver, I think that he can be so dangerous, um, you know, I really, I don't like his driving style, I don't, I don't like the way he, he treats his rivals, I, I don't like the way he, I, I don't know, I just don't like him, I just don't <laughs> like the way he drives, uh, the, the accidents he's caused just this year, for example, he, yeah, he caused some massive accidents. Right. Yeah, it's com- he's completely reckless, like he doesn't care, generally doesn't care. Yeah, yeah, he's just, uh, you know, a torpedo, but a a bad torpedo, really bad. So um, it's really, uh, it will be painful, in my opinion, to (laughs) to watch Michael Pineda Formula One. Um, Yeah, I mean, and I also feel a bit sorry for Mick Schumacher, um, but I kind of hope that us won't be in good shape for next year, because otherwise, really... If there are a lot of cars around, Mazepin is going to crash them. I'm sure of that. So um, I don't know. I, I don't think it will be good. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, not even going to the most recent scandal, but to be honest, his behavior in the paddock as well, you know, off track, but in the paddock yeah. has been anything but commendable in the last couple of years. I mean, the men actually punched Calamilot. Like yeah. the least confrontational person on the planet. And you also had, you know, pretty, pretty bad stuff to say about Yuki Tsunoda. And in general, you know, he's shown some racist tendencies and homophobic sen- tendencies that I really, really, really don't like to see in the paddock. And, you know, people can say that we're about, you know, being politically correct and whatever. I never like the use of the, the term, you know, politically correct, because I feel like people gave it, you know, some kind of a bad meaning in the yeah. year, which is absolutely insane because... The point is, it's not about being politically correct. It's about, you know, respecting 
the people you work with, which should be should be so so obvious and such a minimal requirement for anything. And I'm like, are we even discussing this? That like, do you really think that you know a driver punching another driver and constantly mocking another driver for his racial descent is a matter of politically of being politically correct like let's not even go on the ethical side of things let's not even discuss the possibility of being a racist or being violent or whatever you know and its ethical implications like you can understand our point of view of course but let's not even go there it's just you are working man you are expected to behave in such a way that doesn't embarrass yourself your employer and your fellow drivers like it's a, a little bit of work ethic that much to ask i wonder yeah yeah you're absolutely right i obviously completely agree but as we always say uh the world of motorsport is first and foremost a business it's first and foremost an industry so Uh, as long as there's money, I kind of feel like, I'm sorry if I sound cynical, but I kind of feel like everything else, values and stuff can just go flush right down the toilet. So yeah, absolutely. They're, they're trying to, you know, have some kind of a, you know, politically correct wash with the We Races One campaign. But to be honest, like we haven't heard anything about that is, except for a couple of stickers and a couple of hashtags and you know a couple of banners during the races but as as of now the we races one campaign is basically i don't know useless like yeah it it makes absolutely zero sense and it infuriates me and i was waiting for so long because i was like okay i don't want to judge this too soon i want to know where this goes but the thing is it's been i don't know nine months and this has gone nowhere So yeah. what are we even talking about? Like, if anything, I've seen signs of, you know, people within the FIA not taking this seriously. Like, I don't know, Lewis Hamilton being not put under investigation, but, you know, podium procedures being changed because Lewis Hamilton dares yeah. to have, you know, a personal political and ethical message on a podium ceremony. Like... That is not what it should be about. That is generally not the way to go if you want to campaign yourself as a We Races One initiative or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the end, you, you just understand that as sad as it might sound, but that's the way it is. It's just a big facade and that's it. Because in the end, that's what it is. It's just Formula One, this hashtag, like We Races One. Yeah, sure, We Races One. <laughs> Obviously, we do. Uh, it's just Formula One trying to keep up and not not even succeeding. Um, so so yeah, it's it's really sad to to see that this has gotten nowhere, but it's kind of not surprising either. Yeah, but anyway, guys, like I I honestly doubt that anyone that listened to this podcast doesn't know about the Mazepin case and the Mazepin scandal, but. You know, let's recap that for a second, just in case you're missing the point of all of this. Yeah. So basically, um, a couple of weeks ago now, I think, uh, 10 days, I don't know. Anyway, in the past two weeks, um, Nikita Mazepin posted something on his social media, a couple of Instagram stories specifically, in which he was in a car in, uh, in Dubai 
um, and he was basically groping because I, I don't like to use any other term, but he was basically groping a girl which was on the backseat of the car and he actually touched her exposed breast and it was clear and absolutely evident that the girl was intoxicated. So people obviously had a problem about this specifically for a couple of reasons, because, you know, it, it sounds so silly to me that I have to, to actually, you know, say this out loud and to <laughs> explain this, but it, it's always better to do that instead of, you know, taking that for granted. But anyway, if you're intoxicated, if you don't understand what's going on around you, because if you're heavily drunk, that's what happens. I think, you know, most of us 18 plus have gotten drunk at least one in their lives. So I'm sure we all understand. You cannot give consent. Like in general, you cannot give consent because you don't actually have, you know, a, pers a perspective on what is happening around you. So, you know, even if she was laughing in the video, even if she seemed to be okay with it in the video, she was drunk. So we cannot really know if she would have been okay with it if she were sober. And this sounds absolutely obvious to me, but apparently it wasn't to a lot of people. But anyway, so of course there has been, you know, public outrage. The stories were removed um, after a very short span of time. Uh, but by that time, of course, they were already all over the internet and has intervened with a pretty strongly worded, uh, you know, press release. And the FIA intervened as well. And we didn't know much about it until basically yesterday. The only thing that we knew and that apparently fueled the rage of these, you know, against politically correctness or whatever people that still plague the industry, apparently, um, was the fact that the girl in question actually came on Instagram saying like, my God, no, me and Nikita were such good friends for such a long time. Like, he would never humiliate me or whatever. And normally, I would, of course, trust the victim and believe the victim because that's what you should do if you're, if you're a decent human being. But, I mean, not, not without further proof. And the point is, like, they have proven that they didn't know each other. They didn't even follow each other on Instagram. And yeah. the whole timing of the thing was so suspicious. And knowing the power, influence and resources that the Mazepin family has, it was, you know, a very obvious conclusion to the vast majority of people that the girl was actually paid or otherwise intimidated to come to Mazepin's defense. And this theory was actually confirmed yesterday. Marti, you, you read about it as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. It was confirmed basically when uh, the girl did a Q&A, I think, on Instagram. And the, the question was, uh, if I remember correctly, like, what, what would you say to your younger self? And she kind of made the, the word understand that um, she didn't give consent, that she was actually uh, trying to reject him and that she, you know, that... She didn't want the whole situation to develop that way. So, um, yeah, it did confirm the theory that the things she said previously about her and Mazepin being friends and everything were just false. 
Yeah, she said something along the lines of, uh, you know, don't get drunk with assholes, stuff yeah. like that. And then she, she also reposted something saying like, uh, please take care of drunk girls, stuff like that, which basically confirmed the obvious. And, you know, you can call me cynical for immediately thinking about that, but it was pretty clear to me, like the, yeah. the whole dynamic of the situation. Like, okay, of course we should trust the victim, but we should also understand when the victim is actually put in a position in which she cannot say the truth, which was yeah. the case specifically. Yeah, but to be honest, you know, the, the, the Haas press release was strongly worded, that's for sure. They, they said something along, no, they, the actual word they used was abhorrent, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, yeah, it's very strong to describe your own driver, for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't think that much more is going to happen. I mean, he just has too much money to face actual consequences. And it's so sad that I have to say this and that I feel almost comfortable saying this. But yeah, yeah that's the point. Yeah, it's really so sad, but that's the way it goes. And that's why I say that in the end, all the things that Formula One does in order to show more inclusivity and stuff. Yeah, in the end, it's just a facade, you know, you, you can call it any other thing, because when you allow a driver like Nikita Mazepin, a person like Nikita Mazepin to, to enter the sport, that, that's what you're telling to your audience. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, 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 the immediate effect is like, okay, don't take us seriously because we're not taking this seriously. And yeah, I mean, it's the present, especially like, to be honest, we, we don't like to, to make everything about gender or, you know, equality or stuff like that. But to be honest, like working in the industry or just being fans, really, and knowing that you are part of a category that is not treated with equal respect and that will always be seen as somewhat inferior and somewhat not belonging within the industry is extremely frustrating and you know me and Marty like we're honestly already kind of privileged like uh, yes of course we're women but we're white uh, we're European we we have you know so many other advantages we have you know enough resources to actually pave our way within the sport but so many people are even more disadvantaged than we are and I cannot even begin to imagine how they must feel, feeling so unwelcome within a business, within an environment like this. Like, if we feel unwelcome, can you imagine, like, how a black woman or a black man or a gay man or a gay woman feels in the industry? That would be absolutely painful, I'm sure, because, you know, it, it's weird how we feel uh, oppressed and uh, treated obviously not as equals but when you think about other problems that other people different than us may have you kind of put things into perspective and say okay yes I am discriminated into this world but how how discriminated do other people get yeah absolutely there's always someone being worse than Yuri in some instance and it's absolutely depressing Anyway, moving the, the, the topic on someone who was actually, you know, discriminated against and harassed by Nikita Mazepin <laughs> and will be on the grid as well this year. Let's talk about Yuki Tsunoda. I'm actually so happy for Yuki. 
Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Uh, I really think he is a talented driver and he is also um, kind of a very calm person. I really like his personality too. Yeah, absolutely. Marty, you remember when we, we actually we actually missed an interview with him um, yeah. back in 2019. Like, just put it, put it into perspective, like, for the career that he had. Me and Marty were covering the GT Open together in 2019, and a support series to the GT Open is the Euro Formula. And basically in 2019, uh, some drivers, especially the Red Bull Academy drivers in Euro Formula, were actually, you know, having a joint program with Formula 3. So yeah. Yuki was racing in Formula 3 and was also racing in Euro Formula. And to think that we saw Yuki in the Euro Formula paddock and in 2021 he's going to be in Formula 1, like that is a stellar, stellar trajectory is on. Yeah, it's just crazy. And when I when I actually found out that he was going to race in Formula 2, at the beginning I was like, what? That's him. That, that's that's the guy I saw in Monza. That's not possible. Um, but but yeah, if you think about it, it's really crazy that in like a year and a half he's gone this far. I can even remember like another driver having this evolution of a career in such a short time. Yeah, only Max Verstappen, but you yeah, know, super license wasn't a thing back then yeah so, exactly yeah it really doesn't count like so max Verstappen did something like cards one year and then formula three the other year and the year after that he was in formula one and that's how yeah. Max's career spanned out but yeah i mean the super license wasn't a thing and if you think that actually the super license system was kind of the fia's response to max Verstappen, then you actually see you know why it's so it's so difficult but anyway yeah. like if you think that you know he's born in the in the 2000s i don't remember he's if he's from 2000 or 2001 but anyway i feel so old Marty. yeah me too let me check because i i don't know uh what year was born either like i mean Wait. we're we're not that old like i'm i was born in 1997 and marty was born in 1998 so, yeah, it's not that much of a difference, but it's kind of surreal to think that we actually have, uh, you know, a driver born in the 2000s onto the grid. Yeah, he was born in me. 2000, by the way, precisely in 2000. Okay, I, w I was almost worried that he was born like in 2002 or something like that. Thank God he's only born oh. in 2000. <laughs> now I feel better. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Marty, we promised the astrology special. Tell us something about Yuki. Okay, let me see <laughs> a second because I don't know him that well. So he was born on the 11th of May. So he is a Taurus. Uh, yeah, yeah, it kind of matches his personality, to be honest, because he's really calm. You know, Taurus is an earth, is an earth sign. Earth signs are, it's Taurus, Virgo and Capricorn. They're just very calm like pragmatic down to earth and that's exactly how Yuki is from how I know him like from the outside obviously um and yeah let's see if we have any other Taurus so drivers Taurus in in Alpha Tauri like that makes sense yeah that's crazy right <laughs> absolutely anyway no you while while you you look for other Taurus drivers on the grid Marty um, I was wondering, I was actually thinking about Daniel Kvyat. Like, 
to be honest, I'm also kind of heartbroken for Daniel. If you think that he's only 26, and this is already the second time he's been booted out of the sport, it's it's yeah. kind of heartbreaking, to be honest. And I don't think he really deserves this kind of treatment. I think he's an incredibly deserving driver, and I would love to see him on the grid, but I don't think it's going to happen. Like, it's not going to happen in 2021, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I just checked, and Dan Kviet is a Taurus, too. So it's no, basically Taurus really? replacing a Taurus. Yeah. I'm and incredible. he's the only one. Who's, which sign is Pierre Gasly? Gasly is Aquarius. Oh, he's an Aquarius. Oh, so he's like you, Marty. Yeah, yeah, he's an Aquarius. Tell us more about Aquarius, people. Oh, God. <laughs> do, do you really <laughs> want me to? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know you, so I have my own idea about that, but let's see. Okay, so in general, Aquarius people are extremely independent. They like to be independent. Um, this is something that, I mean, you, you can obviously see with Formula One drivers, but that's because of how their lives are lived, uh, not because of their sun sign necessarily. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, we, we actually have some, some Aquarians on the, at least we, we had some Aquarians on the 2020 grid because we have Pierre Gasly, we have George Russell and Checo Perez. So... Oh, they're all Aquarius. Yeah, yeah. Perez is a bit different because if I remember correctly, he was born like at the beginning of the Aquarius season and uh, ah. Pierre and George were born kind of at the end, towards the end of the season, like me. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, they're, yeah, Aquarians tend to be very independent. They tend to ghost people a lot. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I know if that's the case with the drivers. <laughs> But but yeah, they they are kind of artistic too. They they have this uh, yeah yeah that they they like being arty and everything. Um, thinking about it, they they actually kind of fit the the personality type like Checo, George, and the and Pierre. Yeah yeah, yeah. They, they they seem like they could get along pretty well. Yeah. Plus, I really feel like super connected to George also because of this because. Uh, I'm sure I've already said this, but we were born in the same year, same month, just one day apart. And uh, I, you told me, I didn't know. You told me. I remember. Yeah, yeah. and that's, uh, you know, I really feel connected to him because George is like the the, the epitome of an Aquarian, in my opinion. Uh, he is, I mean, I find so, so many similarities uh, with my personality in him. And, I, you know, it, it's just obvious that at some point I, I just came to like him um, also as a person, obviously. Um, yeah, and also, like, you told me that Aquarians and uh, Leos usually have, you know, something in common. Like, they're kind of complementary. I'm a Leo, so I'm always interested about that. Yeah, yeah, they're complementary signs. Yeah, absolutely. And there but, are Leos on the grid. I remember that Luxembourg. That's a pity, though. Like, I, I feel that a Leo personality on the grid would really shine. I But Hulkenberg is is kind of a... It was a different Leo. Like, I don't know. I, I never really resonated with Hulkenberg that much. Yeah, you know, it's very... Especially, you know, with Leos, I tend to notice this thing that Leo women are so different from <laughs> Leo men. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, they, they are so different. Like, also Aquarius women and Aquarius men are really different. Um, but with Leos, this kind of uh, shows even more because 
uh, Leo men tend to be kind of calm, kind of even reserved sometimes. And Leo women usually don't. They're like very social in general. They they like being at the center of attention, for example. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not something I notice a lot in Leo men. So that, that's a very different trait if you think that's the same sign. Can you believe that I actually don't know any Leo men? Like the, the only person that I recently realized, oh my God, he's a Leo and he's actually, and we were actually born like a day apart from, from one another uh, or, or something like that. Um, it's actually Youngblood. I don't know if you know the singer. Uh, yeah. There, there's a very, you know, lively and kind of crazy going singer. And um, I don't know if any of you guys actually listen to Youngblood. I don't do that much. But as soon as I, you know, spotted an interview and saw his person, how his personality behaved on the interview, I was like, this man's a Leo. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> he cannot be anything else. And I was so right. I was so right about that. But there are no Leos on the grid. Absolutely. No, at least like I'm referring to the 2020 grid because, yeah. Um, because yeah, that, that's uh, that, that's it. But yeah, there aren't any Leos, which is kind of strange um, because that's a personality that would definitely match a Formula One driver. But yeah, you think? I mean, we we love being at the center of attention. We love you know the glamorous lifestyle. Yeah. And, uh, and the adventure as well, like I, I, I would have been a good Formula One driver, like at least a, a sociable Formula One driver if I ever was one. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I feel like that that is a career path that should be explored by Leos in general. <laughs> okay. I absolutely. An advice I, for Leos, <laughs> get into yeah. Formula One. Exactly. It's so easy, you know, so just do it. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, like I always thought it was kind of strange. I, I mean, I know pretty much nothing about astrology. Anything that I barely know about astrology is because Martina taught me. Um, I was a skeptic at first. Of course, like, honestly, guys, we're doing this for the laughs. Neither yeah. me or Marty actually believes in this. But, um, you know, it, it's it's fun and it's a way to, to pass the time, I guess. It's Yeah, it has pretty much no scientific value, of course. So take it as it is, like for the laughs. Um, but I was so surprised to find out that, Marty, correct me if I'm wrong, but Lewis Hamilton is actually a Capricorn. I don't know, it never felt like a Capricorn to me. What? Why are you saying that? No, he's like, he is the perfect Capricorn. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and that yeah. shows you how much I know about <laughs> astrology. No, he really shows so many Capricorn traits. Like it, it's it, it's clinical at some point. It gets clinical at some point. <laughs> um, yeah, he just yeah, he's just so Capricorn to me. He just feels right to, to know that he is a Capricorn. Um, yeah, obviously Capricorn people. I, I, I'm talking like. Uh, knowing the subject right here because my rising is actually Capricorn and it has yeah. such an important influence on my personality. I'm basically a mix uh, between Capricorn and Aquarius, uh, which basically means that my brain is never okay. But uh, <laughs> anyways, not talking about me right now. Capricorns are really practical, like extremely pragmatic people. And that's something you 
you notice in Lewis. It's something that kind of strikes you uh, about him. Um, and they have this, uh, you know, they're said to have this ability of making huge amounts of money. And that's something you can oh, definitely... Yeah. I remember about that, like the first time you told me about Capricorns, like money, money is their defining personality trait, like they don't even need a personality, they are money. That, yeah, that. yeah, because, you know, another trait that kind of goes together with this is the fact that Capricorns are so, so, so hardworking. That's something you notice about Lewis too. Mm-hmm. Um, they're extremely hardworking and this can lead to obviously gaining huge amounts of money. But if you think, for example, about the amount of endorsements you would get, that, then you actually understand what it means to be a Capricorn capable of making money, because we're not talking about his salary as a Formula One driver. But really, just think about the, the incredible quantity of endorsements he gets. Yeah, absolutely. Let me, I mean, he's a, he's a brand ambassador. He's, you know, he's the, the only true, like, diva of formula one and i say that you know in the the, in the good sense of the term like he's the only one who can catalyze that much attention anyway i always wondered why i always felt some kind of a connection on some sort of level with kimi raikkonen which as you know is actually my favorite driver and uh yeah actually he's a libra now yeah i'm actually libra rising guys um Marty took care of my you know na- birth chart and whatever yeah. and told me I'm a Libra I'm a Libra rising and honestly the, the most important people in my life are Libras like my best friend is a Libra my father is a Libra many of my friends are Libras I don't know why I feel this kind of thing with Libras but I guess we just click together yeah yeah it it could absolutely be because of your rising because uh it happens to me with Capricorns and sometimes I, I even identify more as a Capricorn than as an Aquarius so uh, obviously yeah that, that plays an important role also in, in your personality and in the way you relate to other people so absolutely it's I think it's because of that. Um, Martin, tell me if I'm wrong again but another person that was like no way he's this zodiac sign is actually you, you know Sebastian Vettel He's a cancer. Yeah. And, and I was like, how the hell is he a cancer? Like the only cancer person in my life is my mother. And I think that, you know, she's the farthest from Sebastian than anyone could ever be. Okay. Now, yeah, th- there is a scientific explanation for this. I'm just kidding, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, so it's kind of so obvious that Seb is a cancer, actually. Um, but I'll explain it to you because the fact is, this there are two types of cancer in my opinion like Mm -hmm. I've come to this realization (laughs) in my life there are two types of cancer there is the Nico Rosberg type of cancer and then there Mm. is the Sebastian Vettel type of cancer which can also be the Daniel Ricciardo type of cancer okay Ricciardo is a cancer too yeah really oh my god yeah okay now I understand your your theory about two types of cancer because Nico Rosberg (laughs) would definitely be like my mother like he's yeah. identical to my yeah. mother but tell you us more it. basically the nick rosberg type of cancer tends to be a crybaby Let, let's put it like this <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to touch your mother or anything obviously but no, i mean she is she, she she's aware of that <laughs> okay perfect so uh the nick rosberg type of cancer tends to be a crybaby uh he is just a, a 
a cancer that I, I don't like, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> so, and, and the, the other type of cancer, the Sebastian Vettel type of cancer, is that type of cancer uh, who's always like, I, I don't even know how to describe him. Uh, he's, yes, emotional. He, he, he feels a lot, obviously, because cancer is kind of strongly related to feelings and to, to how people perceive emotions. Um, so yeah, we, we can obviously see that Seb is a, an emotional person, uh, at least in some aspects. But the, the funny thing about these cancers is that they don't take themselves too seriously, which is something the other type of cancer absolutely do. Um, and something I really like about them, and if you think about this, it's something you notice both in Daniel and Seb, is the fact that they're always like uh, making cheeky remarks or stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's why I love them. And also, this is like, I feel like the part of my moon sign because my moon sign is actually cancer. Martina knows that because when it, when when she found out that my moon sign was cancer, she was like, oh my God, you're fucked, Aurora. Yeah, <laughs> I freaked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and another thing that actually thinking about Seb, uh, makes him peculiar is his moon because his um, his moon is in Libra just uh, just like me actually. Like, Marty, you crazy. actually did Sebastian Vettel's birth chart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. We should send him to Seb. Like Seb, this is why. Yeah, yeah, it's so obvious. But yeah, yeah, the fact that he has um, his moon in Libra means that basically the moon is a planet, planet or satellite, any, anything you want to call it, um, which rules the emotional sphere of people. And the fact that he has it in Libra, but is a Cancer, kind of balances his being emotional. So uh, th that's a very good personality trait, if you ask me. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we love Seb, so anything we say about Seb is just going to be like, yeah, we, we're trying to find the positives in this, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I really like his personality. It's because, you know, we, we, we share some sort of science, so it, may, it makes sense. But yeah, you're the expert. Anyway, Marty, I, th I think we actually, you know, approached and went kind of off our 45-minute mark. So we should probably say goodbye to whoever listened this podcast in the entirety of 2020. It's been 12 episodes and honestly, like it feels like yesterday that we had our very first episode and yeah. we had no idea it was going to be like this, like this was going to be our 2020, but we got through anyway, which is, uh, which is kind of impressive. So um, yeah, from my side... Thank you very much, guys, for the support over the year. And, you know, happy holidays to anyone. And let's hope that 2021 is actually slightly better. Thank you very much, guys, for following through. And, uh, we, yeah, you know, thank you. Thank you for, for coping with my astrology rambling. <laughs> In lots of the episodes, uh, I really had fun talking about this right now. Um, but, but yeah, thank you very much for, for following through to anyone who did. And we, we really hope to, to see you in January. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see you guys and happy holidays again. Goodbye, guys. Happy holidays.